Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Ports, I'm with you on a Monday afternoon. I can't remember the last time we did a Monday podcast, but you don't have too many weekends like the Blue Jackets had this weekend. Mike Babcock will be the next coach of the Blue Jackets. Um, July 1st, it could become official. The Blue Jackets intend to hire Mike Babcock when his contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs expire expires. We can uh, certainly talk all things Babcock. It's an interesting hire. It's a fascinating hire for some. It's an infuriating hire. Um, a little bit of news here for the Blue Jackets. The defenseman Jay Christensen has signed a one-year two-way extension. So take one of the RFAs off the board. Um, They like this guy. He's a very, very productive AHL defenseman. Has yet to make the leap to the NHL, but boy, there's opportunity on the back end. There's a new coach and there's plenty of opportunity on the back end. So it's going to be interesting to see how all of this uh, plays out. I'm off to the NHL scouting combine tomorrow. We'll be up there in Buffalo all week. Uh, looking at at uh, the Blue Jackets' potential for the number three pick. Uh, Will Smith, Leo Carlson. Could Fantilli fall? We won't know the answer to that till we get to Nashville. Um, plenty of intrigue around the draft this year, even though the Blue Jackets are picking third. Um, we can take all of your questions. We'll try to get to as many as we can. We'll go for about an hour today. Um, okay, sorry about that, folks. I hope this one uh, stays afloat. That one just crapped out. Um, I'll start over again with Patrick D's question here, and I, I appreciate it, Patrick. Uh, Mike Babcock literally referred to himself in the third person in an apology interview you retweeted recently. I believe you mean the one with Chris Simpson. He also didn't really apologize and said some of the stories were partially true, yet refused to say which parts were actually true. Given of his lack of remorse, what makes you think he has learned his lesson? Um, so I, what I would say to that is I, I can't sit here today and tell you that he has learned his lesson. I can't, I, that would be, um, yeah, that would be out of line for me. I don't know it to be true. One of my first questions to him, I think is, uh, have you changed? Do you need to change? Um, certainly he is well within his rights to to give his version of, of what happened in both of those cases. Um, I'll, I'm not going to be the determinant of whether his remorse is genuine or not, whether that he had a lesson to learn or whether he learned it. Um, that, I, you know, it would be out of line and a little, yeah, out of line, I guess is how to say it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. He, if he, if he's, if he's, um, well, one of the things that I think is going to hurt him and the team here is the fact that they really can't say much of anything, um, between now and July 1st. So he doesn't have a chance to humanize himself by speaking to Blue Jackets fans about who he is now, what the job means to him, yada, yada, yada. 
Uh, it just has to kind of sit there for the next few weeks before it can be official, unless the Leafs and the Blue Jackets come to some sort of determination before, in which case, that you know, they could negotiate a, the final month settlement for to get him out of his contract and away we go. I think that's going to be, for him, his first chance, obviously, to, I don't know if he'll go to his side of the story or if he'll just uh, speak to the future as so many people try to do now. Um, you know, I'm not talking about the past anymore. We're looking forward, yada, yada. Um, so we'll see how he handles himself. But he's got a chance, certainly, to to uh, change minds, I think. And I think he can only help himself. Uh, I suppose he could hurt himself. Uh, depending upon what he has to say. But until then, it's just going to kind of sit there. Um, Austin H. says, could the Blue Jackets face any kind of issues with speaking to Babcock early? Tampering? Is this why Yarmo was so hush-hush? Well, they have they have permission to interview him, clearly. Uh, and they did interview him. You can't hire a guy who is still under contract to another team. So, in other words, if if they just say that this is Gerard Gallant, they could have had permission to interview him. If they wanted to hire him, they would talk to the Rangers about how to negotiate the final years of his contract. How much do the Blue Jackets pay? How much does, do the Rangers pay? Um, yada, yada. And th- it used to be, with if you remember this, when the Blue Jackets talked to Tortorella, I believe it was the second-round draft pick they traded to Vancouver for Tortorella. And that is no longer legal. The league, it was like just merely months after that trade that the the NHL said, no longer are we trading draft picks or compensation for for players. So if you look at Babcock's contract, I'm not sure how it's worded, if it's just even pay per month. But if you divide the eight years, 50 million, so 96 months, by fifty million, that's about five hundred and twenty grand a month. Must be nice, eh? Um, so the Leafs are on the hook for five hundred twenty bucks, five hundred twenty thousand bucks this month. And if the Blue Jackets want to get him out of that early, what is that? Pay half of it? Pay two hundred thousand of it? I don't know why they couldn't come to terms there. But from the Blue Jackets' perspective, it's really not. There's not much for an NHL head coach to do in June. He has nothing to do with the draft, nothing to do with the combine. Um, many coaches come to the draft, but it's not. They don't weigh in on the amateur scouting or the drafting. So you wait till July. Um, so we'll see if that changes. But until then, I would imagine it's going to be radio radio silence from the Blue Jackets. Uh, Ryan C. says, do you think Babcock hire could potentially deter free agents? Also, a great piece the other day comparing Past tough coaches having a lot of success here. Thanks. Thanks, Ryan. Um, could he just, yeah, well, I mean, I think it's safe to assume that there will be some free agents that would be less inclined to sign here under Babcock than they, than they may under another coach. Players have preferences. A head coach is certainly something that they take into account uh, before they sign somewhere. But I think we should be very careful here to, not assume that every NHL player thinks that of Mike Babcock is nothing 
uh, nothing other than a bully. The, the guy is a hell of a hockey coach. And there have been reports, and I'm not minimizing any of them, there have been reports from players who felt he crossed the line. I think the stories that the players have shared most would agree that a line was crossed. Marner, the Marner situation is like baffling that a coach would, would do that if it's accurate the way it's been told. Um, I certainly don't like the way the Johan Franzen story sounds. Um, but there's also a ton of players in Babcock's past who see him as one hell of a hockey coach. Um, that's pretty, pretty undeniable, uh, the level of success that he has had. So, yeah, are there some agents that are going to say, I don't think Columbus is right because of the head coach? Are there some players who say, I just don't want to take my chances? Then, yeah, I, I don't think that's out of, out of question either. I think that's very much a possibility, but I don't think it's every player. Um, yeah. Uh, Kyle S. says, can you elaborate further on the Elias Lindholm rumors? I seriously doubt number three overall pick is in play, but do the Blue Jackets have enough assets in the stomach to pull off a trade of that caliber? Personally, I'd happily trade line A. You're going to get me in trouble again here, Kyle. Number 22 and a second-round pick if we could get Lindholm signed in extension for less than $10 million a year. Um, yeah, I don't think the number three is in play for Lindholm either. If you're referencing a question I was asked by my colleague Julian McKenzie based on a mailbag, some he did a mailbag and a Flames fan asked what the Blue Jackets would want for Lindholm. <laughs> I surmised some disagreed, uh, and that's fine. I, I there is no, there's no sense that the Blue Jackets are trading the number three. This is that was just a a random hypothetical conversation. I believe it was presented as such. Um, having said that, the Flames are looking to make some moves, and Lindholm is going into the last year of his contract. So, I don't think it's beyond a doubt that that uh, Lindholm may be available. Um, I'm not sure what the number twenty two pick does on that. Um, but, uh, the blue jackets do want to move the 22. They want immediate help. I think we've seen that through Yarmo's, uh, actions this summer already at the trade deadline and immediately trying to flip that number 22 pick. The assumption is that that pick would be used to bolster them defensively. Um, but we'll see. I, I still think, they feel like they need some help down the middle, especially at the top. Joe M says, any word on how the key young players feel about this? Well, no, and there can't be. Um, because they're not free to speak about it until July 1st. But again, I, 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 I would caution against you thinking that there are several players saying, I want out. I don't think that's the case at all. Um, I don't think he's the boogeyman. As, as some do. I think there's a lot of players probably uh, qu quite curious about what this is going to be like, but with their eyes open and with a desire to win hockey games more than anything else. Um, so that's what I would say to that. Uh, Ken B says, I think the league has been rooting for the Blue Jackets the last few years. Do you think this turns the franchise into a less likable team? Also, what are odds the hire goes through? Can anything change? 
the yeah, I don't know what you mean by the league has been rooting for the Blue Jackets. Do you mean like? Do you mean fans? Have they become a more sympathetic team? Maybe. They don't have a natural enemy. I'll say that because they haven't broken any hearts. Um, does this make them less likable? I don't know if I don't know that they've been likable. Yeah, I don't know that they've been likable. I mean, if you're a fan, of course you're a fan, but I'm not sure if, 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 uh, yeah, I don't know how to think about that. If, if fans across the league like the Blue Jackets less, it's probably time for that to, to be the case anyways. Um, also, what are the odds that this hire goes through? Well, it, it's very likely that it goes through, uh, barring some unforeseen events. I, I'm not going to, sit here and guess at what unforeseen events might be, but I don't think I don't think uh, I don't think there's much chance of that, no. Uh, given Babcock this is from Patrick D. Given Babcock doesn't have a contract yet and given the enormous negative reaction from the fan base do you think there's any chance McConnell could pivot and force Yarmo and JD to go in a different direction? Um, well, there has been some negative reaction. I don't know if I'd call it enormous negative reaction. There's been some positive reaction, too. Um, and these, that would not be a surprise to them. I mean, you have to know. If you're Yarmo Kekalainen and John Davidson, you have to know that this is a hire that's going to create some sort of response, for surely. Um, Kevin Kay says, if Rick Nash speaks highly of him, I'm satisfied. We've always done our best with veteran coaches. History shows that. I mean, yeah, it's interesting. I was speaking to one of my former colleagues today about the good cop, bad cop wave that it seems like every hockey team goes through. And Columbus has really has, has done that for sure. If you go back to the start of the franchise, Dave King, I, I think that the coach of the expansion team is a little bit different because he's, you know, the expectations are at the floor, basically, and it's a ragtag operation. But Dave King was very intellectual, um, a gentleman, but he could be pretty tough. The next coach was Doug McClain, who really tried to ramp things up in terms of being a combative coach. The coach after that was Gerard Gallant, widely regarded as a player coach. Then it went to Ken Hitchcock, not regarded as a player's coach. Then it went to Scott O'Neill, kind of a player's coach. Uh, then it went to Todd Richards. It was kind of in between, but a player's coach. So this one kind of didn't do the back and forth. Then you went to Torts, definitely the other direction. Then you go to Larson, player's coach. Now you go back hard the other direction to Babcock. So this is the rhythm that it takes. Um, and you're right. I mean, I wrote for uh, Sunday that the response here, it's not the same, but it's similar to the outcry when Ken Hitchcock and John Tortorella were named coaches of the Blue Jackets. People thought it was just the absolute wrong direction. When Hitch was hired, they saw um, Voracek coming the next year. They saw Brassard already here. They saw Rick Nash as the young player. They didn't think this coach, who was coming from a veteran Dallas team, a veteran Philly team, 
that this was really right for him. And boy, oh boy, I mean, he didn't last as long as he should have here. But he changed a lot of things, and mostly for the better here. Really, the, the franchise really grew up under Ken Hitchcock. People went crazy when John Tortorella got hired. Like, it, complete indignation. Best coach they've ever had. They made the playoffs six times in their history. Five of them have been with Hitchcock and Tortorella behind the bench. They've had eight winning seasons in 23 years. Six of them with Tortorella and Hitchcock. So, for whatever reason, it's the those kind of coaches have had the most success here. And I think in both cases, they changed a lot of minds when they got here. And I think Babcock has the opportunity to do that as well, but we'll see. Um, what kind of contract do you think it is taking to lure Babcock out of retirement? If it goes well, money well spent. If this goes poorly, I worry they won't be inclined to buy him out before too much damage is done. Well, I don't know this, but I've heard over the weekend it was a four-year deal, which is pretty good term. Now, his last contract, of course, was an eight-year deal. That's not likely to happen here, of course. He got the eight years because Toronto figured that several of those years would be them digging out of what was essentially a rebuild in Toronto. So I think they feel like they're a couple years into that here. It's not getting eight years. but. My sense is it's four. Um, Ryan C says, can you elaborate on what happened the last two years in terms of players losing accountability? Does this mean not caring, not trying hard, not taking practices, workouts seriously, bad additives? I think you probably mean bad attitudes. Um, you know what? It, it um, There is... Remember a, con a conversation with Ken Hitchcock many, many years ago. Um, why do teams go in and out? Why, how do teams go through stretches where they're just quote unquote not playing well? Um, and Hitch gave one of the great answers I've, I've heard on this topic, and it was two words. And the answer was, it hurts. I said, what do you mean it hurts? He said, it, 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 it comes and it goes because this game hurts to play it the right way. It requires you to do things that are against every instinct you have. Going hard to the net hurts. It's difficult. It's painful. Blocking shots sucks. It's not easy. If you have your natural instinct is to get out of the way of a puck and the requirement is to get in front of a puck. Uh, playing hard in the corners, the greasy work, that stuff is hard. And this, it, the, the comment that's been made here repeatedly is that their standards dropped. There were days where practices were where practices look like morning skates. Not supposed to look that way. It became too easy, I think. And lots of individual performances were allowed to slide. 
and players, the sense for many, we're not in the room, we've got to be careful about this, is that there was a reluctance to confront players when corners were, were cut. That was never an issue under Tortorella, ever. Didn't matter who it was, how much you were making. This is where you have to be on a daily basis. And that is Mike Babcock's reputation, too. If you're not playing this way, you're not playing. And it became just quite a bit loosey-goosey in Columbus and not it, not a serious operation. And I don't think you have that concern at all with, with uh, a coach like Babcock. Kenny B says, we need your tweets back in the team stream for Bleacher Report. How do we make that happen? I have no idea what that even means, Kenny. I I don't. That seems like a foreign language to me. But if I've done something to change that, let me know, and I'll try to change it back. But I'm not not quite sure where we're going there. William E says CBJ having a fairly awful off season. Oh, I don't know. Uh, lose the lottery, make an unpopular choice for coach and someone who literally lives in their backyard, one and every for another team. Um, well, I don't think the Blue Jackets. I don't know. I won't speak for them. I don't. That's way out of my realm. But congratulations to Allison for winning an Emmy. Hope she'll remember us. She used to be on this podcast. You guys remember that? She was on this very podcast. Now she's a rock star Emmy Award winner. Um, I don't mind the Blue Jackets summer so far. The lottery is not something they have control over. They, it is what it is. They had a 13% chance of winning it. So they didn't win it. But they had an 87% chance of not winning it. Um, don't forget the Voronkov signing. Pretty good, pretty big deal there. And lots of summer to go. Um, Douglas NB says, is it possible that the mess in Toronto impacted the Jackets' ability to buy out Babcock's contract? I don't think so. I, I think the... I mean... And by mess, if you mean the Dubas uh, firing and the tree living, it may have it would have back it would have backburnered it for sure because uh, they had bigger fish to fry than a coach who hasn't coached them for four years. The one thing I think would have been neat if they could have gotten it settled would be if the Blue Jackets announced Babcock and they may have preferred this announced Babcock on the day that uh, Dubas held his press conference raced. Pittsburgh did everything they could to um, upstage Toronto's press conference that day. How, how petty are those two organizations? Um, but those guys, I believe it was Thursday where they both, maybe it was Wednesday, held their press conferences sort of simultaneously. Would have been the perfect time for the Blue Jackets to lay out the Babcock news. Toronto may have literally melted. Um, but alas, it has to wait. I don't think it. I don't think the. I don't think the Leafs were so caught up in that that they couldn't deal with the Blue Jackets. But maybe it preoccupied them. Uh, Brad S says, uh, poor, oh, "We we got some questions on Q. We're going to get to these in a second. Let me, Jonathan B, Jonathan R, and William R. I'll try to get to you right after this last question. Jonathan B, you'll be first. Um, Brad S said, "Hey, Porty, like you mentioned in your recent articles, there was a number of players with Torts who spoke very highly of him, even with his hard nosed tactics." You mentioned Rick Nash could have had an impact on hiring Babcock because of their positive relationship during those two Olympics. 
Who are a few other players that you know of who speak highly of Babcock, even though he's known as a hard-nosed coach? So, obviously, this news came out Saturday, and there's been the fallout of the decision. I've spent uh, part of this morning, when I'm not doing radio shows, trying to track down former players uh, to talk to them. And one of the tough things with the story like this is you try to to impress upon people that I don't want them to just, I don't want them to think I want a certain kind of response about Babcock from them. I want them to just talk what it's like to play for him. And I'll present all sides of it. If, if, if this guy says he absolutely loved it and this guy said he absolutely hates it, then they're all, it, it all goes in together. I'm not going to talk to my Commodore. Everybody knows where Commodore stands on this. Everybody knows the martyr deal. And the Franzen story, it's not that I'm afraid of those stories. They're just both out there. Both sides have had an opportunity to express themselves. I assume Bob Babcock's going to be asked further about it. Uh, but I want to know with what the day-to-day is like from Babcock. And I'm guessing there are people who loved playing for him and acknowledge it was difficult. I'm guessing there are people uh, that didn't like playing for him and may not want to say it publicly, but I think there'll be people who feel free to speak now um, that they are. Uh, so that's what I would say to that. We'll, we'll, we're trying to turn that around. It's summertime. This is cottage season. It's not the easiest time to reach people, um, but we're doing our best on that front. Hope to have a story for, on that soon. Uh, Jonathan B., you are on front and nationwide. Uh, please go ahead. I hope we got you this time. Yeah, you got me, Porty. Uh, thanks right. for doing this. Um, I'm, I've been really plugged into the, the Babcock announcement, as I'm sure most Jackets fans have. I, I'm okay with it, if only because I want to have faith that JD, Yarmo, ownership, the entire decision-making operation wouldn't have done this without a thorough vetting process, starting with, as you alluded, Rick Nash, having played for him on Team Canada, and really doing the dive to see if he has kind of learned from any mistakes he's had with his player interactions. And I think you've already alluded to Marner saying, you know, it was a bad moment, but he made me a better player. So I kind of feel like he's going to be, you know, that, that hard ass coach that I think everyone is expecting. You've already mentioned how it's Hitchcock and Tortorella been the most successful coaches in history. But what I'm kind of curious about is this is kind of Yarmo's last chance to, to hire a coach and, and really make that push. So if, Babcock is on a four-year deal. What do we? How are we going to measure success given where we are now? Obviously, the ultimate goal is to win the Stanley Cup. I think you know in a few years we should be you know making a push in the playoffs. But I'm just kind of thinking, what do you think the realistic expectations are for success for Mike Babcock? Because if this doesn't work, I think it's going to be a, a full house cleaning top down and, and another at least partial reset of the roster and the organization. But just kind of want, want to hear your thoughts of, you know, what what are we expecting out of Babcock? Like, what's going to be the measure for success? Well, I think the first thing you look for is what we saw immediately under Hitchcock and Tortorella, which was a much more responsible, competitive team without the puck. And so much of defensive zone play, so much of checking is a willingness and a competitive spirit more than it is a skill of course you 
got to be good enough to be there. But that has to amp itself up dramatically. And look, Elvis has got to be, Elvis Merzlikens has got to be dramatically better. But nothing can help him more than if the play in front of him, and this is defensemen as well as forwards, if that steadies. And I don't know if you remember, but it was like three games into Ken Hitchcock's tenure, you went, whoa, like, look at this team get out of the zone. Look at how composed they are. Look at how great a team this was to play for defensively and in the as a goaltender for John Tortorella. And that is typically the hallmark of a really good team. I suspect that's going to be turned up dramatically. I think they're going to try to bolster the blue line this summer and get some clarity there on what fits where. Um, they've got some young guys coming. I'm not sure what the bridge to those guys looks like. But I think you're going to see that. You're going to see them allow 80 fewer goals this year just off the top, which is a huge improvement, a goal a game. Um, that's the first thing. If they do that, I think, I, I think there's a lot of people who would expect them to get this coming year where they were the year before, flirting with 500, maybe above it. Like they've got a ways to go, guys. Like they were so bad last year. Just them being healthy is going to help a ton. I'm not ready to say. They challenge for a playoff spot this year. I you got to see what they do on the back end. You have to see how center ice adjusts itself. But I think they're a team that can can be a surprise team to a lot of people and hang around in the standings, not be out of it by you know early February this year. They were out of it in November, which is really hard to do in a wild card league. Um, but I I think you just want to see structure. You want to see growth from the young players. You want to see an improvement in goal. And by the way, I think they're starting to get some clarity in their goaltending coach position as well. I've heard today that a couple of people have been notified that they're no longer under consideration, so maybe they've made a decision there. Um, those are things I think you want to see progress-wise. And I think depending upon how the rest of the summer goes, who they add during through free agency, uh, what they can add with with potentially that first round, the second first round draft pick, um, they 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 have a chance to make their roster markedly better. <coughs> I don't want to say anything about the Stanley Cup because that absolutely drives me crazy when a team that's never only once made it out of the first round talks about winning the Stanley Cup, like. No, like the Cleveland Browns saying they're a Stanley, a Super Bowl contender. Please, like make the playoffs first. And until then, don't tell me you have any idea what it's like to be a Super Bowl team. You have no clue what it's like to be a Super Bowl team. Um, you're so far away from even having, I, in my opinion, the right to talk about that uh, here. And so shut up about that. Playoffs, yada, yada. Just play. But I think they should be a, I think you'll see a much more competitive team this year, especially if they're able to stay healthy. Quick follow-up question. Assuming Pascal Vincent yep. doesn't find a head coaching position with the few openings that are left, do you think there's 
mutual interest on both sides and him staying on board with Babcock. And I'll get off the stage now. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, I, to me, that seems really unlikely. Um, really unlikely. But I, I don't want to discount anything. I suppose it is possible. Um, if I'm him, you know, look, you moved here two years ago as associate coach. I don't think there were promises made, but there's an idea there that that you're in queue if things don't work out. He almost got the job to begin with two years ago, and now to be passed over was that that is going to be a, a bitter pill, no matter how it's packaged. I think Pascal Vincent's a hell of a coach. I understand the reluctance to hire him in this situation right now, given the state of this team and what this team needs. And that's no slight on Patrick Vincent. It's it's an experience thing. I think he's going to be a coach somewhere in the NHL very soon and a very good one. But I do think, I'm not saying it called for Mike Babcock, but it called for an experienced hand, uh, in my opinion. Um, let's go to Jonathan R., who is on stage here. Jonathan, you uh, you are on front of Nationwide, man. Go ahead. Uh, thanks, Porty. Um, just so I wanted just to start out by saying, like, I'm kind of actually in the feeling somewhat positive about Babcock's now okay. that I had a few That's days allowed. to think about it. That's yeah, right. I, I don't, Twitter doesn't tell me that, but I, I do feel that way. So um, I just I think that it actually made a lot of sense when you look at. Everybody was already saying Yarmo was on his last coaching hire, right? Like that's that was already the narrative before. So, so this I don't think hiring Babcock changed that a lot. But when you look at, they're looking for somebody who they could have confidence in being a winning coach, that they know what kind of standards they're going to set and, and have a track record of success. I mean, really, he's got probably the best pedigree of anybody uh, on the market at the moment. I, I would say, you know, so. Really, from that standpoint, I think it makes a lot of sense. And and he coached skilled players and skilled teams. It's not like it's not like Torts coming in with a blue collar kind of team, like what he did when he took in uh, took over the Jackets. Like there's a lot of young skill coming up. So to me, it makes a lot of sense that it's Babcock, doesn't it? I mean, it, listen, when the guy's been in. He was one of the first guys that they interviewed for the job. His name was mentioned very early in the process. We had a story three weeks ago maybe a month ago now, uh, uh, positing, would they hire Mike Babcock? So he's been a candidate. I understand the surprise when they hired him, but we knew he was a candidate. I don't think it should be. We, we also knew that they were looking for a sort of snapback from the style of coaching they had before. Good cop, bad cop, good cop, bad cop that this was going to snap back the other direction. When you hear a GM say that firing the previous coach was, quote, absolutely necessary, and you hear him say repeatedly that they have to reestablish their standards again, this is not going to be a soft, cuddly coach. This is going to be a taskmaster. So all of that fits the description. It's a little surprising because of the way Babcock ended in Toronto, the fact that he said he was retired at this time a year ago. I don't know if anybody really took him seriously, but he did say it. Um, and his, his name is different now. It sounds different than it did 10 years ago because of what we know, what we think we know. Anyways, 
Um, so yeah, that that's the that's the reason for the surprise. Um, but it, it in that sense, it really shouldn't be a surprise, right? And then um, I know there's going to be plenty about Babcock, but I, I'm also kind of curious. I know that within your mock draft, you were saying that you think that um, the Jackets would take Will Smith uh, with that third overall pick. Um, are you still do you still kind of stand by that after the World Juniors, um, or do you feel like you oh, know, it's, it's a tighter race now? I stand I by stand none for... of that. Literally none <laughs> okay. of that. That's yeah. I mean, that is a gut mock draft feel. I mean, I reserve the right and probably will predict that they take Leo Carlson uh, as well, depending upon how the draft goes. I'm not sold. Call me naive. I still think there's a, it's probably 65, 35 that Fantilli goes number two. I don't know that that's a, a, uh, an absolute lead pipe lock that he goes number two. Um, and if he falls to three, that's definitely where you go. I think it's a total toss-up between Carlson and Smith. I mean, it's not to them. They probably have a real good idea of where they're going. And the combine is the final piece. Sometimes it changes things. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, but for us, uh, trying to figure out where they're going to go, I they're not going to tell you. It's, it would be top secret. That Some would say that's where the draft begins. Uh, if they truly believe it's Bedard and Fantilli 1-2, uh, then it starts at number three with Columbus and where they go there. Um, I don't think they go Meechkov. I'm sure they don't go Meechkov. It's going to be Carlson or Smith. Um, but I, I won't be surprised either way they go there. All right. And then last quick question I want to put out to you. Would you take the yeah. over or under on one and a half trades the Blue Jackets make on or around the draft? Because I think they, they have to move wingers out. I think we all know that. And they're looking to make some other moves, I know, for sure. So so what would you take over yeah. on one and yeah. a half? Uh, by the draft, I don't know. I, 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 a trade at the draft would not surprise me at all. More than one at the draft would seem heavy. But I, I think before free agency, there could be more. But just purely draft weekend. Um, purely draft weekend, I think I'd take the under. All right. Sounds good. Yep. Yep. Um, thanks uh, for the calls here, Jonathan. Now we go to Matt C. Matt C., you are on front of Nationwide. We'll get back to your text questions in just a second. Paging Matt. Hello, Matt. Yeah, I'm, I'm on. Can you hear me now? I got you. What's going on? All right. So I had a couple questions. Uh, first question, you think this, and you might have already answered this. I hopped on a little later. Do you think with the news coming out about Babcock's, you know, signing for four years potentially, or, you know, probably, um, do you think they can reach an agreement earlier where they can, you know, make a uh, media availability and press conferences just so we can hear a little bit from the team and from him? Um, also, how do you think this hire is going to uh, affect free agency? I know we were looking for some D-men, maybe some help down the middle. Um do you think there's anybody that crosses off their list or do you think there's anybody that's put us on top of their list? And then lastly, will I be watching the blue jackets on Valley sports, Ohio next year, or what's going to happen with that? Thanks a lot. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know about the last one. They will be on TV, but I don't know where you'll be watching them. Um, I don't pretend uh, to know what's up in TV world, but it is a, 
a strange time there for sure. Um, let's see, uh, free agents. I I think it'll it's a mixed bag. I'm sure there are some free agents that will think differently about Columbus with Babcock as the coach. I think players for sure take into consideration who the coach is, what system he plays. It could compel some players to want to be here. Who knows? Um, but yeah, of course, there'll be some agents, some players that would would rather steer away from this based upon what they've heard or what they know to be true. Um, what was the first? Part? Oh, can they talk before? Um, no, I mean, as long as he's a Maple Leafs uh, employee for another month, um, then mum mums the word until July 1st. So this just kind of sits there until then. I won't be surprised if they do reach settlement between now and then, now that it's out there and it's public. Um, but if they don't reach a settlement, they're not talking about him. And, and, and there's no press conference, no conversation about him until then. So we'll just have to do mock drafts and, and uh, enjoy the draft while we wait for or Mike, Mike Babcock to say his first words as Blue Jackets coach. Yeah, thanks a lot. I, I got one more question just kind of to expand on that. I, I'm, not, I'm just a simple guy. I don't understand the whole contract association or, you know. But, I mean, are we talking about like $70,000? Like what, how much is he owed over this last month where we can't have the, the Maple Leafs pay for it or we can't well, pay for it? And like I don't, I don't understand how this yeah, so, is yeah, so, difficult for an NHL club. Yeah, well, you know, without knowing how it works or without knowing how Babcock's contract is written, I don't know if it's an even pay per month, if, he, if it's bonuses, whatever. If you just break it down by month, the contract he signed would work out to about five hundred and twenty grand a month. So if he's paid monthly, if if he's paid, um, you know, if he gets paid in the off season as well, then we're talking five hundred grand, equal pay uh, throughout. For the Blue Jackets, I mean it. He doesn't know these players. He's not on the amateur scouting staff. No, none of these coaches, none of the NHL coaches weigh in on who a team drafts. Now, you know who your coach is and you draft according to their style if you believe they're going to be here. But he's not familiar with the players. Even at the draft, he would sit at the table. He would shake hands, say hey to people. But he's not involved in the process of, of acquiring uh, new talent. So him not being part of the club until July 1st really isn't that big a deal. It's more of a nuisance than anything else. It's kind of a PR hit here because he can't, as we were saying earlier, he can't humanize himself to the fan base until then. They just kind of has to sit there and take the bullets on social media and let people say what they're going to say. Um, I don't feel sorry for him. It is what it is. But until July 1st, it's got to be that way. Here before we... Uh, Wrap it up. Thanks for all the input here. Um, let's see. George M says, my concern with Babcock is not that some people didn't like playing for him, but the actual events that scream narcissist. Why would he bench Mike Madonna in his final game? To, okay. So, George, I, I got to be careful here on this claim because you're saying that he benched Mike Madonna. In the final, in his final NHL game, 
and that kept him at 1499. Now, if that's how it happened, if Mike Madonna was at 1499 and Mike Babcock said, you know what, this is a meaningless game, but you're not playing tonight because I don't want you to get to 1500, then I would agree with everything you say about it being vindictive, him being a narcissist, yada, yada, yada. My understanding, this is how it's been explained to me, and I have not had a minute to go back and look, but that he scratched Madonna with 30-some games left in the season, not realizing that Madonna was at 1469 or 1468, whatever, and that at this point, if he played the rest of the season, he would get only to 1499. So we're talking with two months or three months left in the season. Again, I, I'd have to go back and substantiate this, but I've been told that the way that it's often portrayed that Madonna got to 1499 and Babcock said, you know what, you're not playing because I don't want you to get to 1500, that that is not accurate, that it was much earlier in the season and the, maybe the player was aware that he was on pace if he played every game the rest of the way to hit 1500. But I'm not sure the coach, the coach is not taking into account games played with three months left in the season and what this might mean to a future milestone for a player. That's the other side of it that Babcock tells. I'm not saying one's right, one's wrong. I'm just saying that's the two sides of the story that's been portrayed. Um, And so maybe that one's not as awful as it sounds. I don't like the way it sounds, the way people tell it get the 1499 and, and then the coach said, meh, screw it. You're not playing 1500. Cause I don't want you. Um, Scott M says any truth to the claims that Nash was influential on the Babcock hire. It, we can't know this because Nash can't talk, but yes. <laughs> um, let's, let's not kid ourselves. There's no Rick Nash plays a very large role in the blue jackets front office. And it's an ever-increasing large role. Um, so to think that they would not have consulted Mike Babcock or uh, Rick Nash about Mike Babcock, of course they would have. I will say this, though. It's a two-week tournament with all-star players. That's probably not a very good indication of what it's like to play for, for uh, Mike Babcock in an NHL season. Right. So, yes, I'm sure. Um, let's see. Two questions. Finn says, uh, two questions about past things of current events. Is there any reason why the Nationwide Arena, all oh, this damn light beam, why it wasn't used this past season? The season was dark enough. I, I don't, don't know. And two, was there ever a reason given to Timmy Leroy left the club? No. Um, I don't think he left by his own choice, though. Great guy missed him this year and maybe their struggle this year was the curse of Tim Leroy. Uh, Don G says, do you know any specific players that wouldn't like the type of coach Babcock is and would ask for a trade? I'm not going to guess to that. Um, I don't think anyone is just based upon the hire is going to ask for a trade. I'm sure there are a couple players uh, a little unsettled right now, but that's not a bad thing either. Um, Nathaniel L. says, there's still a month from now to the projected signing date. Is there any way that someone balks? Well, 
I mean, I don't, I don't, they've not reached terms on an agreement because he's still under contract. Good things change, things can change, I suppose. I don't, I don't think uh, social media is going to, my God, if the Blue Jackets responded to social media, it'd be, be a hard go out there, right? Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, William R says, Hope all is well. Is there a player you think benefits the most from this hire? Is there anyone you think Babcock is chomping up a bit to work with? Yeah, I think there's a lot of players on this team that really intrigue him. That would intrigue anybody. Marchenko, right? I mean, Gaudreau, obviously. Line A. If you can get Line A back to where he was early in his career, and you've got Marchenko and you've got Johnson emerging, um, I want to see Voronkov play Babcock-style hockey. It'd be great. Um, yeah, I think there's... I think there's a lot of players that could learn a ton from him. David S. says, is there any way for Jordan Dumais, who has accomplished everything possible at the CHL level, well, he didn't win the Memorial Cup, to consider going overseas and playing pro for a year since he cannot play in the AHL? Uh, he is not able to do that, David. He is bound to the queue. And it's kind of tough because he's... Um, He's a very, very, very accomplished player in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. One thing he can do this year that he didn't last year, and I think it's the thing that that uh, that dri- may drive him more than anything. He didn't win the Memorial Cup. I think he's he would want that badly. They lost to Quebec in the Q final, and he was cut from the World Juniors team. So. That is something this season for him that could make this a really special season. Uh, David L says, uh, I get that you can't speak to the Jackets roster right now, but even with some of the negative baggage that Torts had, there were plenty of players saying good things about him. I've been struck by the lack of defense for Babcock. Are any other voices speaking to you off the record on Bob Babcock's behalf? I've heard from some guys who say, I don't give a damn who the coach is. I don't give a sh- how hard he is. I just want to win. And I think that's the right attitude. Nobody can say anything publicly until then. And it's not them not wanting to stick up for him. It's just that it's not official yet and they can't be nailed for tampering. Um, So let's see here. Finn. No, we got to that one already, Finn. David Ellis says, I uh, just saw Tom last week. Oh, yes, okay, you're talking about Allison again. Uh, Karen K., very unhappy with the coaching selection. Has there been anything made public about any, quote, work that Bob Babcock has done to address his previous behavior issues as it relates to the players? Extremely disappointed in the ongoing old guy, old school thinking that seems to lack creativity or innovation. Thank you for all the great work you do. Well, thanks, Karen. Um, well, I'm not going to even attempt to talk you into liking this move. That's not my place. You are free to not like it. I, I don't, this is a different situation than Quenville. Way different, way different. And Quenville needed to go through some things before the league would even consider him getting back in. Babcock had no such restriction. Um, so yeah, I, I think we have to be careful not to, 
make it seem like all Babcock is is this. And if you look at social media, you would think, again, just how John Tortorella was portrayed when he was hired here, you would think that this is just a absolute raving lunatic every day. And it's just not like that. There is a side of this guy, as there is to all of these coaches, that he's coached for, what, 19 years in the NHL? Uh, 18 years? There's there's some substance there. There's some really good work as a coach in there. Um, and you can't just ignore this other stuff. It certainly looks like it's gone beyond the pale. It's beyond what Tortorella was ever accused of, of doing. Um, those things need to be explored and exposed if they're there. But I don't. I don't think the picture of him being nothing but that is fair either. Um, so I'm I'm very interested to hear him speak for the first time. It's been a few years since that's been the case. I think Blue Jackets fans are probably looking for that as well. Did Leo Carlson's performance at the Worlds change your thinking at all relative to him versus Will Smith? Um, yeah, I think he's helped himself. I, again, none of this. I I want to be. Uh, Super clear, none of this is me saying I would take Will Smith or I would take Leo Carlson. I've seen these guys play on TV. Like, that's not, that's fun, but it's not a great evaluation. It's just trying to guess what the Blue Jackets are going to do. And that's really all it can be at this point. Um, so, Jonathan C., how do you think Liney and Babcock will get along? Liney did not do well under Torts. Um, he did not. The team did not do well uh, while Liney was here under Torts. Uh, I would be curious to see what Liney would have done a couple years earlier on uh, those teams that were really, really good. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Joey says, do you think Columbus would have gone a different route in terms of hiring Babcock if they landed Bedard? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe hard to say they didn't. So it's, it's sort of hard to, uh, to, uh, predict Johnny H says, when did you lose the beard? When did I have a beard? Huh? That's a shameful way to end. Um, I love it though. Fair question. Um, I have to ask my wife when I lost the beard. Let's see here. I think we got to everybody. Um, big crowd today. Thanks for listening, everybody. Sorry about the technical glitch at the beginning. Uh, we'll get back with you next week, barring another large development in this or other stories. Uh, but in the meantime, thanks for listening. We, we may try to, to uh, grab some amateur scouting experts uh, when we're up in Buffalo to do some interviews that can be played as part of a live room podcast. I like this conversation aspect. Uh, but it might be good to work in maybe a 10-minute conversation with Scott Wheeler or Corey Pronman, um, other other guys, maybe some Blue Jacket scouts. Maybe we can get Yarmo to slip up and tell us who they're taking in the three spot. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very, very soon. Uh, have great weeks. Take care.